Hello, you're listening to Stark Contrast, a movie fail Game of Thrones podcast. I'm Josh Rosenfield. I'm here with Soren Howe, and today we're discussing Episode 9, Season 5, The Dance of Dragons. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to, to discuss here. Um, it, it's funny, this show, it, it's become kind of a cliche that, that Episode 9 will be the big episode of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this wasn't, this kind of broke the tradition. It, it wasn't any more or less, you know, whatever, any more or any uh, yeah. less than any other episode this season, really. We can talk about how it was executed, but I would say that final scene was kind of a big moment. But wh- I, that's true. I, 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 I think it was a big moment, but we also, you know, this is compared to last week. The last scene of last week's episode could have very easily been it, the episode could. nine moment. It could. And it could so, have been the entire episode. And, sure. and we we uh, were very thankful that that wasn't the case because it was efficient as it was. Um, but yeah, but just just to note uh, something, you know, the two episodes we liked recently uh, were the, the the previous two episodes, and you know, we get these these shifts in not in writing for sure. Although I think the past few episodes have been by Benioff and Weiss. Um, I think I'm not sure about last week, but but the last director might have been um, uh, what's his face, uh, Brian Cog. No, no. It was Benny, Benny Off and Weiss. Right, Feminine. right. But we had um, uh, Sapochnik, Miguel uh, Sapochnik, who the directed, directing, yeah, who directed two episodes, and they were the episodes after the controversial episode, right? So, yep, we're we're. I think there's a clear difference, you know, <laughs> between these directors. Sapochnik did a great job with two episodes that we both liked. You know, um, he like let up. He he recovered in one episode and then really nailed it in the second episode, which was great. Uh, and then now we're now we're uh, we're dealing with yet another director, uh, David Nutter, who um, I'm I, not sure what else he's directed. Uh, he I'm directed. Sure directed. Um, I know he's directed for the show before. Let me double check. Um, yeah, he directed the Reigns of Castamere and Misa. Uh, he directed the Old Gods and the New and the Man Without Honor in season two. Uh, did he direct? Misa was a good episode. Yeah, sure. The I mean uh, the end of season three very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's the worst director on the show by a long run, but we mm-hmm. talked about this with Michelle McLaren last season. Is you know you watch her episodes, and then you go to the next episode, and there's just such a clear disparity between <laughs> yeah. someone who's it's a, it's really a bit weird. You know, it's a bit jarring, and I, in some ways, I like having different voices. I think it's something that really helps certain series. Um, not all series. I think sometimes it benefits from a unified voice. Uh, but, you know, it helped with The Legend of Korra, for sure. Um, we got some really interesting different voices going on, and director, directors and writers in that case. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just interesting to point out that you're right, that there, we are getting these little pairs of episodes. I think next episode is also a, a David Nutter uh, episode, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they've been pairing them off this season. Um, um, and it's, it is interesting. I mean, if you look at the final sequence in Hard Home, and we talked about the filmmaking... Uh, of that being really uh, unusually good <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for Game of Thrones, particularly given that it's very action-heavy. Uh, and then the directing in the final scene of this, which was also very action-heavy, was really not particularly exciting. Uh, Considering what was going on. Yeah, no. except, for, except for one, I do think, we'll get to it, but there is one moment I think was actually really well executed. Interesting. Well, but, I will say, I'll say this. I think the, um, I know there was a lot of CGI in the uh, hard home sequence, but... This sequence was 
if I had been t- tasked with shooting this, directing this, or even writing this, I would have been very uh, concerned. Because, I mean, what happens is crazy, especially for a TV show to do. We haven't seen this. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but we haven't seen that thing happen before in anything. I don't, I don't, I don't even know the last time we saw someone ride a dragon. Right? In anything. They don't even attempt it in movies because they're like, oh, we're not going to be able to do it justice. I don't know what the reason is, but people just don't do it very much. We don't see people riding Fantastic Beasts all that often because it's like, it's tough to do well. And uh, so so just uh, on your point, um, shooting that is also something I think would, it's probably not the easiest thing in the world to do. Not to, not to excuse it per se, but, you know, whereas a battle scene is a little bit different. It's a bit, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could tackle it. There's not a lot of different ways you can tackle an arena with someone. Well, I just, I mean, and again, well, this is stuff more for the end of the episode, but I would counter with the fact that this, the way that this scene was shot, particularly the CGI shots of Drogon, uh, it, it didn't work. And I don't think it's entirely the fault of, you know, bad CGI. I think it's, you know, I think the, the worst shot maybe by far is, uh, when Drogon is first flying into the arena. Really? And the shot, the way it was shot was there's all this blur, a camera blur, a movement blur. But Drogon is much clearer. So it looks off. It just looks wrong. And it looks right. like your initial, my initial reaction was bad CGI. But when you look at it closer, really, I think it's uh, directing, uh, it's not directing uh, with the CGI in mind, with the fact in mind that it's, the artists are going well, to make Drogon could, not blurry. Well, alternatively, you could make the Drogon blurry in that scene. You could add motion blur I guess you could. You know you what could. I mean? I'm sure there's a way to do it. I don't yeah. know anything about the technical side of things. I will also point out that this is um, uh, Robert McLaughlin was the director of photography this time, a cinematographer, uh, and it was a different uh, cinematographer last week, and I, I believe we, we cited him directly in the, uh, in the, in the actual article. Um, so we did also get a new cinematographer, so that's, that's also part and there, of it. And there were... Um... Fewer and in, fewer interesting shots in this one. There were one or two that I, I think were notable, and just just in terms of I think like I said a week or two ago, uh, on a show like this and really on most TV shows, it's notable when there is any kind of like artistic thought <laughs> put into a shot at all. Uh, so and you got a lot of that in in the gift and hard home certainly in just in terms yeah, of com- in yeah, terms certainly. of composition, and you get a lot less this week. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch. So, like, that's another thing that changed. It's almost, it's not the whole crew that changes, but a lot of the crew changes. And it's not really surprising considering, you know, how they're probably shooting these, where they have to shoot them all over the world and you, in all these different places. Which is weird because, like, how can there possibly be, um, well, I guess there would have to be, but you assume that there's stuff being shot so, at the same time. It seems weird that there would be only one person directed as director of photography who's jet setting all over the world in a very short amount of time. Well, that's what's, that's what's funny about it. It's like, do all five cinematographers are all, yeah, let's say five cinematographers show up to each location to shoot their scene that's in that location for that episode? And then they just, each each one of them does their, each crew does their episode in that location and then they go to a new location? Kind of weird, right? Yeah, it's, I I don't, I can't imagine how they, I mean, it's such a, comp, it must be such a complex show to produce just so, overall. I can't imagine how they get, how they get away with it. The worst part is I know someone in the effects department and I. Oh, wow. And I Brooke could probably ask this, but uh, he's like more down the line, not in the. I don't believe he's in direct production, like immediate production. But in any case, so it's it's yeah. I, I would agree that this episode is not in, visually is not as interesting as as uh, the, the past two episodes. 
Um, but it's just worth noting that the crews do shift quite a bit um, between each episode, which or between at least pairs of episode, which probably explains a lot of the disparity. Um, I just want to throw in before we before we get into the actual content. Um, the, the, my my least favorite shot in that final sequence is this very quick cut uh, to Daenerys on the back of Drogon for like a second. She's holding on, and it's just it looks like the never ending story. It it's so yeah tacky, and it's just a quick like they just cut to it for a second, and I'm like, I know you're trying to like show it's tactile and that she's really on the the dragon, but it looks so stupid. She's like on it, you know, and and you know I feel bad for. Um, I feel bad for uh, Amelia Clark because this has happened in the past where, I, and it's not her, it, I haven't criticized, I, my intention is not to criticize her, uh, but she's trying to work with these things that don't exist, you know, it's not even someone's motion, motion capturing, there's nothing to look at, except for probably a green dot or something uh, in these sequences, as far as I know, uh, and so she's, you know, she's often trying to stare, you know, intently at something. But, you know, leave it to the animators to, like, put it slightly off from her direct line of sight or to make it just seem a little bit off so it's awkward and doesn't quite match. Uh, in uh, Season 2, they're walking in the desert, and she's looking at her shoulder. I, I think I put in this out in some older podcast. And she's looking at her shoulder, and one of her dragons is on her shoulder. And she's staring, like, uh, what, what's, let's say, what, at um, 10 o'clock, you know? And her dragon's on her shoulder, so she should be staring at 9 o'clock. But she's staring at like 10 o'clock. So she's staring just past the dragon. But it's supposed to be her, you know, line of sight should be matching up with the dragon. And it's just so awkward because, and it's not, it has nothing to do with her or her acting. It's just the way it was composed afterwards with digital effects. Um, yeah, and of course, that's, we, you know, we should also point out, I don't think you ever blame the animators and the artists for stuff like that. Because the visual effects industry is just so crazy and <laughs> no and stuff, I'm not even, stuff like I'm not that is never i'm yeah. not blaming them either it's just it's this disconnect and i think that's something that motion capture really helps with is uniting these two different groups because a motion capture artists tend to be pretty familiar with the technical side not overly like they couldn't go and do the animation per se uh, but they know that technical side and they're also actors and what they're doing is they're providing a physical presence for actors to interact, for the other actors to interact. Well, with. you have to imagine that she had a tennis ball or something on her shoulder, like that. They, okay, that's just a tennis practice. ball is not the. <laughs> it's not the but same it's something. Like it's it's supposed to Andy represent Sergis what's going to be there. Yeah, but but in this case, you know, when we have Drogon, uh, you know, in the arena or whatever, it's it's just. I can't imagine it's very easy to. It's you know, it's the same problem you had. This disconnect reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, like the Star Wars prequels. You know, they they were standing in front of a green screen for ninety five percent of it, so it's all just, you know, interacting with things that aren't actually there. There wasn't even there weren't even people motion capturing it. So, the stilted interactions between them, it's not necessarily like it doesn't really have to do with the actors or the, or the animators. It's just, it's it's how it was made. It physically, you know, is it's uh, limiting on on chemistry, on screen chemistry because of that. And I think that that's what happens when you don't have you know, a stand-in actor or something of the something of the sort. You know, for all my complaints about the Avengers and uh, the, the new Avengers and, and things like that, um, they had people, they had Mark Ruffalo, you know, dress up, you know, do his Hulk thing and motion capture. And they had, um, I don't know if it was James Spader who did all of the motion capture for Ultron, but they had James Spader and whoever else do Ultron stuff. And it feel, felt like they were real. You know what I mean? Like they were, the, they had chemistry with each other. It wasn't like they were staring at nothing. 
it was actual acting and playing off each other and stuff like that. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that shows. And so, you know, but also we're talking about multi-million dollar movies versus TV. Uh, it's just interesting to, to see how that's manifesting. And we've always been worried that this was going to happen um, <laughs> since the beginning. How are you going to do CGI, you know, dragon creatures on a show that doesn't have, you know, the budget of a, of a major blockbuster? And I don't want to. I don't want to sound like um, I, I'm one of those people who just uh, hates CGI and uh, practical effects. Well, we are all know that's better. that's who you are, Josh. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, deep deep down in my soul. But no, I, I I mean I love CGI. I think that it's often uh, a really fascinating tool and a, mm-hmm. used to great artistic purpose uh, when it when it is. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's stuff that it it wouldn't be as as effective or as evocative if it was a practical effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you're kind of in a corner with something like this where you you cannot do a Drogon practical <laughs> effect and have it look as, you know, realistic as, as No, a you get the never-ending story. Yeah, know? but also you get that, you know, what's worse? Is it worse to have a kind of dopey-looking uh, dragon puppet or is it worse to have this, like, weird uh, Uncanny Valley thing with when she gets up on the dragon and it just looks awkward for some reason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and there's some advantage to to something like a puppet. You know, not to not to emphasize the word puppet, but you know, when you look at movies like, uh, you know, let's say the Dark Crystal, we're never going to see a movie like that again. I don't think we'll get some Muppet movies, but we're not going to get something like the Dark Crystal again. They're like, why would we do puppets? You know, I'm sure they immediately their first thought is like, we will just do or Labyrinth or something like that. We'll just do CGI, you know, or we'll just do something else. Why would we ever do puppets? And yet, I will say that they had actual puppets that people could interact with and that characters could play off. You know what I mean? So, and it's not going to age. It's going to age insofar as puppets age, but they're just, that will never change. You couldn't make better puppets. They just, the puppets are the puppets. And so, um, there is some, it's a cost benefit ratio that you have to, you have to look at. And I, you know, and we're also, uh, you know, the CGI wasn't bad. You know what I mean? That's the other thing too, is that the CGI, especially in still oh, yeah. things, I'm looking I at mean, the one that they used for the for the Wikipedia for the uh, for the uh, you know episode. It looks really good. It's just when they it's the interaction that I think comes off a little strange. And also, well, uh, and just to just to wrap up, so we don't because uh, we have talked about this a lot. Uh, not that there's not a lot to say, but right. I think maybe the main problem with this is that the dragons have always looked better in darkness, uh-huh. and that's just a that's always been a thing with any kind of effects is the harder it is to see it, the better it'll look. Right. Because, you know, when Drogon's out here in broad daylight, of course you're going to, you know, you're going to notice some of the weirder quirks about him that don't look quite right, and he's going to look kind of awkward and out of place. But the scene in two episodes ago where she was down, brought the masters down to the dungeon, the dragons looked amazing because you could just barely see them, and what you could see looked great, and just, you know, the reflection of the fire and, you know, hidden in shadow. If only they had done this at night. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing, maybe, that directorially, it's just hard to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, you know, maybe there's no reason they couldn't have done it at night, but I don't know. It, I think it would have been weird to have an arena scene at night. That's a little bit unusual. I don't even that's remember true. That I think that that's the argument against Spartacus. it. Although, yeah. I, maybe you could have said, oh, it's, you know, the opening night of the games. You could have done that. Who or knows? it's just getting dark by the end of it, you know. Sure, it gets sure, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I totally skipped all anyway, the rest it, of the to, to go right to the end. Right. <laughs> but um, there's actually a surprisingly, uh, for an episode where it feels like you know, a lot of big things happened, it was kind of 
slim. It it feels it like it is. It is really slim, actually. Yeah. So well, with I guess I guess well, where we start is with Arya, obviously, in Bravos. Mm. Um, and she's going with the. Uh, this is what I said would happen uh, last week, by the way. Um, she's going to talk to the the your, the gambler, the Finn man. She's doing her uh, routine because she's going to poison him eventually, I guess. <laughs> At some point. Yeah. Well, and, I don't think um, she actually is, though. Well, I, I now at this point, I don't think she is, but right. that's her intention when she's right. there. Yeah, um, and she sees you know, who, who could it be across across the way, but Marin Trent, mm-hmm. who she follows to a brothel, and we get this bizarre scene uh, where it turns out he's a pedophile. Well, before before we get that, we get this hilarious caricature uh, <laughs> thing where he's he's standing outside with his two guards, and. He, you know, just because they want to reaffirm that Marin Trant, if you couldn't tell by his perpetual grimace, is a bad guy. You know, he makes this big thing about, oh, I'm going to, you know, we're going to get the, 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 the finest prostitutes or whatever he says, you know, in, in the in the entire place. <laughs> uh, and I'm not a good sharer. Okay, we get it, Marin Trant, you thought. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and yeah, and leading up to that, you have him being all, you know, crass and loud and oh, yeah. about... You know, uh, Mace Terrell and and the he's Terrell. Such in general. an idiot! Oh, what yeah. a stupid and again, yeah, and as if you didn't already get that he's a bad guy, <laughs> it, we have this this thing that happens in the brothel, which is horrifying. Right, and it's, right. I think I think the setup for what's going to happen with this is pretty obvious. Uh, they're not, you know, they they really lay a lot of groundwork for how Ari, what Arya is going to do. I, I think. I thought um, they went like they did. Well, okay. So here's my feeling. I hope they don't do that. I think, okay, so you're implying that, that Arya is going to slip in as a, pretend to be a prostitute? Yeah, yeah, she's going to, she's going to, you know, here's slip the thing, in, he... catch his attention, and then when she's alone with him, she'll kill him. But he's seen her already. And also, what are the chances that she, he won't recognize her? Well, she, he saw her already and didn't recognize her. Okay, so, well, there's two possibilities in my, in my view, not three. The two are, he recognizes her and goes, oh, that's Arya Stark. Okay, fine, he doesn't do that. But he's already seen her, like, twice now, knows she's not a prostitute. So how is that supposed to work? Well, he's, you know, he's a pedophile. What does he care? <laughs> oh, and then the other thing I want to say is that I hate this. I hate this idea. Like, Me I too. don't like this idea. No, this is, it's, it's, it's terrible. It, it's, it's awful. Of the whole, um, of every part of this episode, it made, and actually, maybe even this season, not to, not to rock the boat at all, but I think this is probably when I was most uncomfortable. I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, weirdly enough, I don't have a problem with them painting him as, like, this really creepy, like, child predator. Fine, he's Marin Trant, he sucks. I, I don't think it's necessary, but sure. It's not necessary, but fine, that's, you know, that's his thing. We already hate him, yeah, he could just die. But, to involve Arya in it, now it's just getting even yeah, ugh. it's just I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Even even if she is completely manipulating the situation to get you know to achieve a goal or whatever, like I get that, but I don't. It, it just grows see me that out. that I don't have a problem with. What made me uncomfortable is that she didn't do it right away, and he still takes that other girl into the you know into the bedroom. I mean, I that. assumed they were going to do it then. Me too. Yeah. I thought it seemed like it was going to happen right then and there, but no, we have to you know. You have the implication, not even the implication, the explicit knowledge that, that no, he actually does this, and she's going to come back later, I guess. Because as if we couldn't already hate Marin Trant enough, we actually have to see him go through with it. We can't just know that about him. Dude, oh, right, yeah, yeah. And then and then he's like, oh, I want another one tomorrow, okay. Oh, God, right. oh, this is, this is so gross, just everything about this is gross. 
So that was weird. Um, not like show breaking weird. Just you know, all right. No show breaking. Of all, we'll get to. <laughs> of all the things, uh, it this really did this did bother me though. Um, but anyway. Although I will think it's weird, they're setting up this conflict where, like, she's going to choose to abandon her contract to kill the Thin Man to kill Marin Trant, but I see no reason why she couldn't do both. Okay, that's true. She could, but I think, I think uh, Jacken knows that she's going to do this. Not no, he's seen, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't call her out on her lie, but I think the implication is that he does sense that she's. You know, he doesn't know what's up, but he knows that she's not telling the the whole truth. That maybe she found a more worthy target or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, uh, um, maybe, you know, maybe she does kill both, but they find out and, you know... Because this is all about still, you know, her connection to Arya Stark. And if they find out that she's done this revenge killing for Arya Stark, then that's another strike against her with the Faceless Men. So I, she could do both and that could still happen. But I think they're setting up this weird, like, she'll have to choose which one. I mean, they already did it in this episode as she chose Marin Trant. Right, right. No, exactly. Um, it's... Yeah, I I'll just leave that all, all of that aside. I just I'm glad we got a little bit more of. I think they just wanted Marin Trent to arrive, and they didn't want that to be in because we were talking last episode about how it was sort of cut off that whole storyline, and then we were going to get the rest of it later, and this is what happened. Um, so I think we that explains it. You know that they wanted to. That was an introduction to his plotline, and this is the more of the setup for what actually is going to happen. Um. I just think it's un. Here's the thing that I find weird. This feels it feels like they're stretching it. They could have just had her go out with her cart and see Marin Trank getting off the thing. Why this whole thing with the thin man and that whole? Who cares? Why was that even in the plot? Well, because you know it's it's more faceless man. It's more faceless man training, and we get a little more of like what she's actually supposed to do as part of her actual responsibilities. But I agree that I mean they are clearly stretching it out. There doesn't seem unless there's just like no more Arya material for the rest of the season. And we said this about her at the beginning of the season. It feels like there's very little material for her, and they're really just stretching it out as much as possible. And this is another example. You know, it seems more obvious that this is the point where she kills Marin Trant because that's kind of the arc of the episode up to that point, and whatever happens next episode is just going to be the conclusion of what we've already right. seen well, and know right. what we know is going to happen. But this could I just feel like this could have concluded the last episode. Last episode, she could have just... He said, I don't know what you're going to see. So then she goes around the corner with her little cart, sees Marin Trent, goes, oh, I have to kill him. And then could have dealt with it that episode or, and just had this whole scene happen last episode, or do it this episode. Um, You know, have that, and then that be the finale. But they've added this thin man accountant thing, you know, this whatever insurance agent. Well, yeah, because they're setting up this whole this whole. But it's not set up. The thin man has nothing to do with it. No, I'm saying they're setting up this conflict for her that doesn't make any sense. Like I was talking about earlier, they're setting up this thing where she'll have to choose who to kill, and it does. Oh yeah, but no, but I don't think they're setting that up. I think that was just like a diversion. I don't think it's really. Well, it seems to be like. It, they've already done it. Like it, it's already—it's not even set up. It's already happened. So that—that's the reason that it's to cause conflict with Jack and the Faceless Men. That's the reason the Thin Man exists yeah, is because she's sure, but my explicitly abandoning her. Doesn't care, so there's no real conflict. He's just going to be like, well, he, cool. which he doesn't—he uh, doesn't know why she's lying. Like you said, I think if he once he finds out, that's obviously against the rules. But what what rule? That's the other problem is we don't is that any... she's she's she hasn't given up Arya Stark. She's not no one. She's still she's still ah. Now that I could see being interesting, but but again, if she, I still think it would have been if she had just seen Baron Trent, they still could have had the conflict over her identity. 
I guess. You no, know, you're right. I think I do think it makes it more explicit that she's literally abandoning her faceless right. man duties. For, but you're right. I don't think it's personal. strictly speaking. I don't think it has to happen that way. Right, right. She, he could just say, you know, this wasn't just some contract. You did this because of personal reasons, and you haven't abandoned your your identity. Whatever. <laughs> I have to say that I, you know, as cool as this was about half, se- you know, half a season ago, I'm not all that interested in anything really with this. I want to see her going around Westeros killing people or even Essos or something. I don't really care about Marin Trant. I don't care about any of this stuff in uh, in the city, in Braavos. Um, so, I don't know. It, the sooner this is over with, the better we can just move on. Because I just think that what was cool about Arya is she was always traveling and doing cool things, and now she's been stuck in one place, which is cool. So it's like, cool, you're training. And I guess one thing they could do is... They could say, um, they could have her abandon this, go, uh, you know, take out, uh, take out Marin Trant, have Jack and be like, you can't be a faceless man. And she goes, okay, fine. And then she leaves, but now she has what they trained her in. Except here's my problem. They haven't trained her in anything. Yep. (laughs) They haven't done anything. They made her scrub things for a while and lie. Okay. So she can lie. I guess that's a useful skill, but you didn't teach her how to kill people. He was like a magician. He just, you know, people just ended up dead with arrows in them and or slit throats or whatever he did. That was cool, and we wanted to know how they did that, and she didn't learn anything like that. Her plan was to poison an oyster. She could have done that, you know, in season two. Uh, so it's a little weird. And she didn't learn how to change her face or do anything like that, so she's basically just Arya Stark who can lie yeah. slightly more efficiently. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of whiffed on the storyline, I think. It's Which is because there's so much potential. So many cool things that you could do, um, especially in a world where there's literally magic, and you have this this um, the many faced god and this whole thing. You could have incorporated a magical element. You know, we have other gods with other magical elements. So, I mean, how cool would it be if you know Arya had the the, the faceless god stuff, and then Bran has this you know the old god stuff, and you know you could you could incorporate a lot of these um, these elements into the story and make the Stark family this really cool, varied, interesting group of people which they are but you know with abilities too yeah oh, well. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll see i mean yeah they, they could go further with it next season i guess we never know but yeah but if, seems, if they are building to her uh to her getting kicked out then yeah then what a waste of time what a waste of time and not the only time i'll be saying that in this podcast <laughs> um but not in this next part because uh Next, we have the wall where nothing happens. Uh, the wildlings come back through the wall. I actually uh, liked this scene. It was quick and it was I did too. Yeah. Um, I like I, – well, the, my favorite part about it is what Alistair says to John. He says <laughs> – first of all, he's, the second thing he says is you'll get us all killed. Right. But the way he leads into that is you have a good heart, Jon Snow. All right. Right. Well, and, and the thing I, I really liked is when he shows up with this huge band of wildlings and he like looking, he's looking at the wall. And you're not sure what's going to happen. And he's not sure what's going to happen. And then they just open the door and his just relief, Kent Harrington's relief is, and, and the wildlings go, you know, completely not trusting any of this are like, yeah. Um, but this whole, this whole sequence, and it was cool seeing them all come through and seeing one, one walk through. Uh, so he's the only giant who, who made it, I guess. As far as we know, he's the only giant alive. Really? Uh, well, we haven't seen any others. We saw that one who died at uh, the Battle of well, Castle Black, okay. and but at Hardhome, 
how many all of the wildlings were at hard home just no i'm saying I, no i was being slightly facetious i'm saying as far as we have seen he oh, okay. is the all only right. giant who currently exists right. <laughs> um yeah um yeah i don't know there could be others but he's the only one who matters to the story at this point i guess mm. i will say this you you there's a, a lot of this episode is is i feel like it's going to be me going oh i was right uh but uh in this one case i will say that you um, you were definitely. I, I think you're you're onto something with Ali. Uh, oh, you're talking about his death stare. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they focus on it this time. Like they yeah. don't. It's not just in the conversation. They directly. They're like, no, we're cutting to this. Look, Ali's not happy with this plan. I love Kit. Ha- I love even more than that, and how blatant it is. I love Kit Harrington's facial expressions. He sees Ali and smiles, and it cuts to Ali's death glare, and then it cuts back to Kit Harrington. He's got this big pout. <laughs> You don't like me. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's basically how it went. Uh, so I guess that whole... I just... Uh, I don't... I don't want to jump on the Ollie hate train. I just don't care. And I hope... You know, I didn't... I hated the stuff with Egret. I liked Egret a lot. I hated the ending of Egret's storyline with the arrow and that whole thing. Uh, with Ollie. And I don't... I hope they don't keep giving him major plot points. You know as the series progresses because he's now a character in the show and that they've got to get, you know, he did his thing. Let it go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really into that. You know what I mean? If he, I can't even think of what he would do, but like, let's say he tries to kill. Here's what I would like. I would be okay. If Ollie tries to kill John or some does some crazy thing, doesn't succeed at it. And then they sort of build a relationship from there or they, you know, exile him from the wall. And that could be kind of a, cool thing. I don't know what that would do for character. Like Ollie, like like John wakes up and Ollie's standing over his bed with a knife. Yeah, exactly. They have and to have they, a conversation about loyalty or something. Loyalty, or they, you know, he, it's a big question for John. What is he going to do as Lord Commander? He has to, you know, there's some rule in the Night's Watch about what you do when somebody tries to kill someone else or something. I don't know. And then, or for mutiny or something, and he has to make a big decision and he decides to exile or something. And They could draw a line, they could draw a parallel with Danny and what she had to do with Jorah. That could be kind of cool. Like, there's a lot of things you could do, but if it's just so that he can, you know, uh, you know, just kill someone just to move the plot forward, it's gonna be kind of stupid. Because why him? Why not any other character? But I guess they haven't. The other problem is at the Night's Watch, there aren't really any other characters left. There's there's a bunch of like, thugs that we don't know. Yeah, there's Alistair, there's Sam, there's Ed, there's Ollie, and then there's just the rest of the Night's Watches, this big that we monolithic... Don't know. Like, exactly. Yeah, person so it has to be Ollie. John. And so the only one who's not, like, who's like a villainous Night's Watch person at this point really is Ollie. Yeah. Alistair seems to be okay with it, you know. It would be great if um, Ollie does try to, to hurt John, or, you know, for whatever reason, or someone tries to hurt John, and Alistair saves him. Because, Ooh. you know, because he's loyal to the Lord Commander. Right. And we've seen over the course of the season, we've talked about over and over how great it is that Alistair, you know, he's always seemed like such a jerk. And now he still seems like kind of a jerk, but it's clear that, you know, even if he, there's no love lost between him and John, he has respect for him and he uh, genuinely cares about the him in some, you know, in his position as Lord Commander. Mm-hmm. Which is why I love that line where he says, you have a good heart, Jon Snow. He's being genuine. Mm-hmm. Even, even though oh, he absolutely. says it'll get us all killed, he's not, you know, being sarcastic when he says you have a good heart. He means it. He, I think he really you know, respects that. You know, I think it would be really interesting if, and it would also be cool if the other, if Ollie's actually put up to it by other Night's Watch people. 
that would have been kind of that'd be kind of interesting because then he has you know there's a, a split among the Night's Watch that could be interesting. Um, but it would be an interesting conclusion to this arc because you know Alistair said you're you're running out of friends to to Sam I think right yeah um and but it almost comes off like concern and uh and we we talked about that and then you know in this case he he he, just, he seems pretty genuine with John um and then because he acknowledges that a lot of people are pissed off he could be the one to stop you know or get involved in a uh, mutiny on the side, on John's side. And I think that'd be really interesting. Uh, I think it'll be really stupid, and although on par for this episode, if he suddenly is like, I'm leading a mutiny against you, <laughs> uh, and totally kills whatever character development they've been trying to do for him. Yeah, I don't know why we expect better from this show at this point, to be honest. <laughs> uh, speaking of... Yeah, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> so, we go... Okay, yeah, let's, we're gonna talk about this. So, we go to Stannis' camp... The, say, the thing this that is I was, the opposite of what you've been saying, by the way. Like, the exact opposite. But it's also, it is, <laughs> it's not what I expected to happen, but it is also what I was afraid would happen. What I said is, I'm afraid that Ramsay is going to run in with 20 dudes and completely, you know, wreck Stannis' shit. Uh, and what I thought we see is going, there's going to be a, an assassination attempt. That's what right. I said last week. Uh, and that doesn't happen, but it's also what I said last week, which is Ramsay is the most effective psychopath on the entire planet because it comes in with 20 people and just destroys Stannis' camp. Yeah, and then leaves. And, no one and leaves! Yeah. It's pretty effective. Oh my god. I couldn't believe that. I can't... And they didn't, he, they didn't, he wasn't even on screen. Nope. <laughs> he nope. wasn't even on screen. It just Melisandre wakes up or something and goes outside and the camp is on fire. Yep, and then they go, and nobody saw this? And so <laughs> yeah, like, he's they, as surprised like, as yeah. we are. They are they're almost, they're almost making fun of how ridiculous it is. Like, really? <laughs> no one saw this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but no. Okay, so yeah, so Davos and it feels is, like it's all just to push this forward. Yeah, and it's not even, and like we'll get to, it's not even enough to push this forward. No, no, but I think know, that was the, the intention. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You posited that that this would happen. You said that Shireen, they might, they would sacrifice Shireen, but that it would be Solis, that Melisandre would back down because Stannis wouldn't do it. And that Celise, because she's crazy, would go for it. And here's yeah, yeah that's now here's here's my double the, the double whammy. One, Stannis is the one who goes for this, and it's Celise who's like, no, my daughter, Ugh. right? Which doesn't make any sense at all. Ugh. Part A, part B. Just going back to last week with Hardhome, where I was talking about uh, Carsey, and I was complaining about how they, you know, she's a mother, and that's her identifying feature. If, despite all of the characterization they built subtly with her character, ultimately it's the fact that she's a mother. That's how. That's where her emotional heft's supposed to come from, and that's where how she dies because she won't because of the kid, the zombie kids. And you, you took issue with that, but I think that's this whole show. Seriously, every single female character, for the most part, except for like Brienne and a few other characters. Although even Brienne seems to be taking care of Podrick in that sort of way. It is like this motherly thing, you know. It's like, and even when a character, think... a character who is as unmotherly as Celise, <laughs> she's still in. When it comes down to it, you know, I read a. a you might find this. I read a fascinating post somewhere. I don't remember where about how Game of Thrones, uh, really, uh, in the background, very subtly, uh, in what is such a patriarchal world, there is this matriarchy that exists uh, be- because um, the uh, mothers of uh, major houses have this control 
through their sons and the way right. that they influence their sons. Right. And we see this over and over and over. So there is that. I think that uh, you know with Cat way, and with with uh, with um, Cersei, absolutely with Cersei for sure. Um, it was, so we do see that over and over and over the way that uh, motherhood is used as a source of power for women, uh, and, and I, I think you know not in a manipulative way most of the time. Not per se. I mean, it's used often for purpose. Like I think, as much as I hated Cat, I think everything she did, she was trying to be helpful. She just failed miserably at it. Um, but I think that that's. I think that that's true. It's just frustrating when it that's... doesn't apply to Celise. Absolutely. No, it doesn't all. apply to. And Celise, this is still dumb. But when it's the, def- it just feels like a default. You know, they introduced. They introduced this. Hold on, this fucking motorcycle. <laughs> they introduce this brand new character, Carsey, who was so cool, and then, you know, okay, we have nothing else for her, so let's, you know, mother it up and then kill her. And then with Celise, <laughs> you know, despite this character having no motherly qualities for the entire time we've known her, is the one who, when it comes down to it, is in support of, of, um, of trying to save Shireen. And I don't, I don't get that. I don't. I don't understand that. Well, it's because the writer, the David Benioff and DB Weiss, they, they have like the dramatic inclinations of a fourth grader, and they're <laughs> like, "Oh, it would be so ironic if like Celise is the one who cares at the end." It's like, "Oh God, you know, yeah, gag me with a spoon." Well, it just it's doesn't just make garbage. any sense. You know? It makes no sense. And okay, so let's let's take this point by point. Okay. Um, so Ramsay burns the camp and. You know, it's bad, I guess. And so Stannis... We get a lot of Davos before all this happens, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Davos talks to Shireen. Well, first... I, I think... love these scenes, by the way. I think... I, oh, I yeah, think... these are the best. And I'm going to miss them. Liam Cunningham is, is awesome. And, like, he's... I love him on screen. Yeah, I, I think I... one of the best uh, uh, casting choices on the show. Oh, for sure. He's and I think cool. that he's, he's so um, warm and interesting, and he so clearly cares about Stannis, although, I mean, at this point, I can't see him. <laughs> having a lot of love for him, but in general, but although you can tell he sort of can see the writing on the wall. Um, but, but he's just enjoyable to watch, and he's made Stannis' storyline, which was for a long time almost unbearable. Uh, it was just really boring, and I didn't care. Um, worth watching. And, uh, you know, so so he's great, and we get a lot of these, we get a whole bunch of these scenes with, with Shireen, and they're really sweet, and they're really... Um, you know, it's 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 heartbreaking because you know what's going to happen. You know, you can already feel it. You can already tell that that's where they're going with it. Um, so, yeah, and you know, and I love that she, he carves that little stag, and then he he thanks her for the. They have that great moment about reading uh, together, and just I don't know. I I just I really like these scenes. I'm sad that they they were all pretty much in support, like as you know, existed to prop up the the burning scene, but you know. Can you do? Yeah, you even get yeah, you even get that moment where he's like, oh, you know, next time I see you, you gotta you gotta carve me a dough, which you know, any time a character says next time I see you, they're 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 dead because it, on this show because the show loves that kind of ironic foreshadowing, uh, and you, you, we just got it in spades in this episode. And um, uh, what I said last week about what the Dance of Dragons was, by the way, I was I thought it was kind of weird that because they do talk about that later. But mm-hmm. the first time she mentions it, she's talking about this, like, fairy tale. Right. It's also called The Dance of Dragons. But then they go back to it later, and it's the other thing. And, and she's reading another book called The Dance of Dragons that's about the, the Targaryens. 
And I, I no, the first was time weird. I thought she was talking about. I, I didn't wait. When were they talking? Are you talking about this episode? That she was referring to it as a fairy tale. Or no, well, she what she tells Davos is that she's reading this book called The Dance of Dragons, which is about this knight who, um, or whatever, you know, he polishes his shield like a mirror, and the, but the dragon roasts him anyway. And then when she talks to Stannis later, she says, I'm reading The Dance of Dragons. It's about the Targaryens and the Civil War and everything. Is that just a little piece? Did, was she just t- I thought they were the same thing. I was assuming she just told Davos, like, a little piece of it, like, very simplistic, um, because she's... Sort of, uh, maybe, actually, you know, maybe it could be. Although I that think, whole mirror thing yeah. seems like something out of like an Arthurian legend or like a Greek legend, not, not which is why that's what I that's what I thought it was. Yeah, so. no, I see what you're saying. I just assumed it was the same story, but she was just dumbing it down for Davos. For yeah, some you reason. know what? That makes sense. <laughs> that, that makes sense. You're right. <laughs> Although it's not like he doesn't understand words. It's just he doesn't read. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. Kind of patronizing. You know, well, what, maybe Shireen? she was like, "That's a dad conversation." Well, Shireen's dead now, so <laughs> yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Oh, I feel but yeah, terrible so, for saying that. But um, I will say this before we get into the. I just want to say people were reacting to this, you know, across the net. People were upset. Uh, I'm upset for, like, narrative and dramatic reasons. I didn't find the scene super um, traumatic or anything. I was just like. Really? No. Nah. I thought it was horrifying. Really? I was, oh, and then oh here's the other thing. Here's another. Soren was, Soren was right. I remember earlier in this, in this uh, season, you said. You know, I think the show is is bad, but I don't think they're they're sacrifice a young child bad. I mean, yeah. Come Again, on. I gave the show way too much credit. I really did. I I genuinely I just, did not I think they would go there. At this point, you know, here's the here's probably why I didn't find it all that traumatic. A, we've seen people burned alive like a billion times now, and the show opens, although he doesn't die, with someone pushing a kid out of a window. It was shocking then. But five seasons later, I'm like, eh. Well, no, it's not even that. It's it's the Way that the the scene it it lingers on it it goes on forever with the build up and then you hear her screaming for just like screaming and screaming and screaming it's it's just it's just it's I guess I was chilling. so in, like trapped in in what might happen I was so in, curious to see what might happen you know that maybe he was going to stop it at the last second or somebody was going to get involved or something that I didn't process it on an emotional level that much but i don't know people seem really messed up by it i just didn't really care i was yeah okay so let's get let's break down why this is really stupid okay, <laughs> okay. all right so i've seen a lot of of defenders of this scene on twitter and they are almost across the board like super smug about it it's all people is like oh you know what show were you watching you really didn't you know they've been setting this up all season it's like what show were you watching <laughs> they were not setting this up they were setting up that this would be a plot point and they got to that when melisandre like brought it up and that was clear like no one missed that foreshadowing but they were also very clearly setting up stannis's affection towards his daughter in like the scene that the the very important scene a couple episodes ago where he's like where he talks to her and his very fatherly is like you know I would never let anyone hurt you because you're my daughter and you're right. the princess of House Baratheon and then two episodes ago when it's brought up to Melisandre he's like no I I will you know get out of here out, I'll never yeah. do that and then like all of a sudden you know Ramsay burns some of his food and he's like well <laughs> I guess that's that guess I'm burning gotta my, burn child. my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And, you know, let's remember, let's remember this about Stannis. This guy was holed up in Storm's End for over a year, eating rats, you know, rather than, than give up the hold to the sieging uh, army outside. That's how he met Davos, remember, is that Davos smuggled him right. in the onions. Uh, that guy <laughs> would never in a million years 
you know, Im- so quickly, like on a dime, turn around and make the biggest okay. compromise possible. Okay. This is whole Stannis' primary character trait is he doesn't compromise. But here's my here's my thing. Here's my question for you, to you: If Selyse had stolen into his tent and taken Shireen and then burned her alive, and Stannis wasn't able to stop it, you know, like you know, we got there too late or something, would you have been more okay with the scene? Would you have been okay? With the scene? Yeah, yeah, because okay. I think it's a hor- I still think it's a horrifying scene. But it doesn't make any sense, and it is the more I am the more uh, I am even more angry at it because it happens and it doesn't make any sense. If had if it had happened like that, if Selyse or Melisandre had done it without Stannis's consent, then it would have you know I would have been shocked. I would have been very very upset. But it, upset I, like, like with the show or upset like no no I would have been I mean I, I would have been emotionally upset oh, by okay, watching yeah, yeah. it. But it would have you know that we what we know about the characters and what what they've been building to all season. Of course, that make you know that makes sense. I was expecting that to happen. If not, you know, I wasn't expecting them to go through with that, but I was expecting that them at least to try. Right. But I, it is all the scene was all the more horrifying to me because it doesn't make any sense. It comes out of absolutely nowhere that right. Stannis would do this, and you know, it, it doesn't. You know, it, it's hard to. Uh, this is going to be my Spartacus, and we've already talked about this, but it's it's hard for me to not, when I'm talking about any TV show, bring up Hannibal. <laughs> uh, there is some just – every week on Hannibal, there's a new, like, horrific, you know, blood-curdling image uh, of, of, of violence and of gore and, and just something nightmare-inducing. Right. But that show earns it because it's a mature show, it's an intelligent show, and it knows what it's – doing with those images it's using them to a an artistic purpose and a thematic purpose right but on a show like game of thrones it's like shock value (laughs) exactly that's exactly what it is it's like you know and we've talked about this this season it's you know this is a moment designed for the think pieces and designed for the people to be buzzing on twitter it's not like it ended with that you know it ended on a much more positive less traumatic note but uh, but it's still you know that's true but it it still happened and it's, that's still like more people are talking about this than are talking about uh, Daenerys. No, they absolutely are. Uh, I'm just saying that I think that if they had really wanted to push it like they did with the other scene um, a couple episodes ago, I think they might have left it in the finale. Um, and you know the only reason this is happening in the story, by the way, I think, is so that uh, next week Brienne can kill Stannis and we won't feel bad about it. <laughs> oh, that seems to me like where they're going. Possibly. Because Brienne so has been talking all season about how, you know, next time I see Stannis, I'm going to kill him because, you know, he killed Renly. And now they're both right outside Winterfell. Right. Uh, so it, it seems to me like that's where they're going. And I think the far more, if they why, wanted to actually why, be... But why, but why Stannis? I mean, that's not going to resolve anything with, with Sansa or any of that. I, I don't know. Well, no, but Although well, they haven't, we haven't gotten nearly as much Sansa as I thought we would. You know, to build up, like, you know... I thought we were going to get this big finale in Winterfell. Something was going to go on. Well, I think we are. I think we are. We and are, all but these like, elements... we haven't built that up. You know, like, it was a couple episodes ago, and, like, we didn't even see anything this this episode. You know what I mean? Uh... We didn't get any Sansa. We didn't get any of that. So it'll be, it's, it'll be a little strange, and it'll be even weirder. I think it'll be weird if, if Brienne uh, takes Stannis out. I will say this, though. I think what's interesting about this scene is how it happens... All right. We both agree that was stupid. But the fact that it happened... You know, I'm suspecting there's two things to this. The first is, uh, the first is that we've talked about this a bunch this season. Um, that there's they keep linking the red god, or at least you know, yeah, they keep linking the red god, uh, grayscale, grayscale, 
uh, and, you know, dragons and king's blood and all this other stuff, right? And Shireen isn't just some kid. She also has grayscale. And I'm wondering if there's some... It'll be very interesting to see because I, cause we don't know what the consequence of the sacrifice is, right? We don't know what's going to... It's not going to be a shadow baby, per se, right? It's going to be something. Uh, we're not... We're not, And we don't know what it is. It, the link between... Shireen, Grayscale, the Red God, and whatever is going to be the product of this is going to be very interesting to see, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. But I don't know... We didn't see Shireen's corpse. Like, we didn't see her dead, right? We did. We just heard it. We heard her screaming and all that. Yeah. So I don't know if that... If there was something else going on that we don't know about. Um, or what Grayscale does when you burn it, you know, when you burn someone's Grayscale. Well, her Grayscale also is in, is, is, is has been neutralized sure, a long time ago. Sure, but it's still there, and it's very clearly there, you know. Or is, is that is that Grayscale, though? Or I, I was under the impression that that's, like, that's the scars of, of Grayscale. Oh, no, it looks But the disease itself, it, they've talked about, has been cured. But those me, are the scars it, that have To left. me, it looks like, it doesn't look like scars. It looks like, like, um... Because it looks very different to what Jorah has. On, uh, like, not contagious. Uh, Jorah has this kind of cracked, like, uh, you know, gray uh, kind of dusty spot on his arm. But right. Shireen is this—it's flesh-colored, uh, and it's uh, it? clearly like it's—it's it's not as uh, violent uh, of an outbreak. Right. Okay. So, well, I guess we'll 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 see. But I just think that there's going to be some link here. I think that they've been building that up, and I would not be surprised if we get a, um, if we get some if there's some payoff to that connection. Uh, and that's the first part. And the other part is I don't. You probably speak to this more than I could, and obviously you don't want to spoil anything. But I hear that there's uh, there's something in the books that they think this might be related to, that because they've changed some things around, that this could be setting up something that they don't want. That all the articles were like, we don't want to spoil it, but there's something in the books that this might be, like intentionally setting up. Uh, uh, I think I think they know. I know what they're referring to. I don't know why they're referring to that thing. It's. I mean, we'll see. We'll get to it next week, I think, for sure. So we'll know then. But I, I don't think it has any connection to that. I will say that um, if you watched the behind the episode, uh, one of the, I can't remember if it was Benioff or Weiss, but one of them said, when George told us about this, uh, right. so we know that this is going to happen. This hasn't happened in the books. Right. But apparently it's going to. Because one of them said, "When George told us about this, right?" So they, uh, you know, I've always that taken, I've always taken the the spoil, the quote unquote spoilers on this show with a grain of salt. Like we don't know if that's how it's going to happen in the books, but apparently we do. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, uh, in the books, Melisandre and Selyse and Shireen were left at Castle Black. Right. So right. 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 I think right. it'll happen the way that I said, which makes sense. Right. That would make a lot more sense if he comes back to his daughter being burned or having been he, oh my god he comes back he's like what what did you do right that would make a, a lot more sense having said that it also makes sense if that makes sense for that it doesn't make so much sense i i understand taking your kid with you out of a place like castle black so oh, I, sure. I can also yeah. see that um by the way i'm looking at pictures of shireen it's definitely gray her her face half of her face is it or is that is that is that color correction? Because she's always in the dark or in the or in the north. That's outside. true. They they do they do do that a lot. But it does seem like it's a it, it does seem like it receded. Obviously she's, um. But yeah, no, it's I think it's gray. I'll have to we'll have to observe it. I do I think it's I do now. think it's it's not it's obviously not contagious anymore though. No, it's definitely not contagious. But what effect that has on your biology or whatever or 
your magic aura or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know how Game of Thrones works. Uh, it'll be interesting. I just I'm curious to see what the payoff is for this because clearly there has to be something, you know, some sort of that's the, that's the factor no one's considering. You know, when this whatever it's a shadow beast or like you know a, a a dragon made out of smoke or something. How cool would that be? You know, some random thing. It's like an element of this battle that we haven't even seen yet. You know, whatever it is that helps um, Stannis win win the fight. Or is um, it just going to be that, like, the storm clears up so they can walk? Okay, that would be so stupid. So <sighs> stupid. I bet that's what they're going to do. And speaking of stupid... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but just one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, Davos is on the way to the wall with a message for Jon that says uh, that he oh, yeah. demands... He's demanding, like, Jon's help and, like, supplies and stuff. Uh, that's not going to go over well with the Night's Watch, I don't think, because the Night's Watch is sworn to not get involved in... Uh, it, they in, are, and I don't think they'll... I doubt they'll oblige, and I doubt that. Um, well, no I, or or sta- or uh, or Davos could just run into the wildlings on his way there and be like, "What?" Or or what if John finds out that his half sister is be you know has been married off to a complete uh, monster? Oh, does and Davos that's why know that? Well, I think they must know that this marriage has taken place, right? Even if he knows that, I think he's he's the one who keeps beating the drum. You know, your personal problems aren't are irrelevant. The White Walkers are what matters. So I think it'd be kind of a weird direction to take it. Yeah, it'd be good to uh, know. Yeah. Who knows? But, um, but yeah. So, yeah. So, um, we move on to Dorn. <laughs> more Dorn. Who doesn't love more scenes in Dorn? Okay, so. For, okay, another I was right thing. I just want to throw this before we get into the action. Okay, so, well, I was just watching this episode going, I didn't want to be right about a lot of this stuff, but this one, actually, I'm glad I was right about because I think it's more interesting, personally. Uh, when Bronn is taken out of the cell, and we'll get to that in a second, but just when he's taken out of the cell, I think we get confirmation that, who is it? I don't remember who it is. Is it? Um, it's Tyen. Tyen. Tyenne makes a very clear statement, in my opinion, that that whole thing last or a couple episodes ago was not, um, wasn't just manipulation or whatever. It, it, she oh genuinely... no! I I think that's very clearly she's still oh, just God. teasing him. She's teasing him. She is not. She is very clearly teasing him. No, she's not. And then someone else even calls her out on it. Mm, I don't know. I still think I that that's know. a thing, and that that's a, there's, there's a there's a connection there. Although I thought there was going to be some sort of escape plan, and that doesn't seem to be happening at all. It was all this all ended rather amicably. But anyway, we'll get into that. I just so I had to look this up before we started the podcast. Uh, that did did we did the situation in the courtyard not end? I, I did. I might be completely misremembering this. Did it not end with? Alaria and the the uh, the sand snakes all getting caught by police or the yeah well Alaria wasn't in the courtyard but yeah well she was in that room right yeah but they all were captured but they were captured and then we see her sitting on the couch with Doran right but you also but but Jamie is also there well Jamie's so there it... but she doesn't she's not under interrogation she's just chilling and she making, also wasn't in prison mousy. with the rest of the sand snakes that's the other thing. She, she has wasn't? she has a higher position than than they do. Okay. She's like Jamie has a higher position than Bronn. 
but like there was no repercussions. We didn't see any repercussions at all. Well, and no, that's then, a, yeah. And then at the end of the episode, all of a sudden she's under trial, and I'm like, this is what should have been happening when we first saw her. Why was she sitting on the couch l- loudly? First of all, why was she there in this highly tense negotiation with the Lannister prisoner when she is under a suspicion of treason herself, even if she has a high position? Why was she allowed to be all like? <laughs> Get in the way, pouring out wine, or you don't know what you're doing, this is ridiculous, I don't like this. You tried to mur- what are you talking about? You are trying to incite war. Why would Doran even, Doran even allow her to be there? I couldn't believe it was her sitting on the couch. I, I literally didn't believe it. I had to look up and make sure it was actually Ilaria. And then when she's later, they literally have her on trial for the things that she, no, nothing changed, but all of a sudden she's on trial. No new evidence came to light. She's on trial. And well, she wasn't on trial. Well, she's not on trial. She's getting sentenced for the thing she did. Well, no, I, mean, she, I think she's saying what Doran says in that scene is like, hey, you know, you have to swear that you're going to not rebel again or I'm going to kill you. Sure. But this scene should have happened at the beginning of the episode or something. Or it should have happened beforehand. Scene. You're right. It was just confusing to see her sitting on the t- – that would have been – and then it would have made more sense when she's, you know, being all testy but then – refrains from pushing her luck because she knows that she's on her like last straw. You know, it's the order of the scene was bizarre. Uh, you know, and it was all at the sake for the sake of like some loose humor. Yeah. I gotta say if, if something like major doesn't happen in door next episode, what a waste of time. This <laughs> what a bizarre, what an enormous way. They've spent an entire season getting herself. There've been no repercussions. The only thing that's happened is that, uh, Tristan and, uh, Marcella are going back to the Capitol. You could have resolved that in like two episodes max. Why did we spend so much time on this? It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why, you know, every time Alaria, that's the other problem is I don't like Alaria's character. She's just like trying to piss people off. Uh, Doran's all right. You know, he's like, I'm trying, but you know, I, his, it's, it's this, it's, it's this, it's two extremes. You have the person who, um, the two worst kinds of people at improv, actually. There's the person who uh, says no to everything, right? You're never supposed to say no in improv. You're supposed to say yes and, right? You're supposed to always keep the scene going. And she's just like, no, war. We're doing war. I want to go to war with them. They're stupid. I don't like them. Pours out wine. And then you have Doran, who's like, eh, you know, you snuck in and tried to abduct the princess and you knocked out the prince, but, you know, peace. So, And so what he does is negate any consequences. And so there's just nothing here. It makes this entire trip completely pointless. The only thing it does, actually, I think we might have solved it, is it got Jamie out of King's Landing so they could do the, the faith militant stuff. That's it. That's all it was. There's, there's nothing there's nothing else going on here. You're right. And and you know, in the books, like I said before, Jamie is also not there and he's but he's doing something different. But you're right. You know, you do need to have Jamie not there, but you, he's just – they really did not justify spending this amount of time in on the door, and they needed to for the, you know, Faith Middleton stuff to happen. He had to be out of King's Landing for the whole season. But, not, yeah, nothing happened in Dorne. Nothing. And, you know, they do have one episode for something really major to happen, and I'm kind of, you know, maybe Doran has some, like, final ace up his sleeve, some secret that he's been hiding. Maybe. Uh, you know, some you – know, maybe, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe he's got some secret plan all along because he, he seems very eager – to toast uh, King Tommen. Right. 
Right, he does. Uh, so maybe he's got, you know, so some either, secret either plan. Either he's, like, really boring and just wants to go along with everything, or he does have some big plan, but it's just, uh, I don't know. This whole thing has been bizarre. Yeah, it just, it really does. It, it, like, it's it's a joke when, um you know, he, he lets Bron go on one condition and then Arya Hotep, like, hits him. You know, it's funny, it's a punchline, but it's also, like, really? Is that the one consequence of the Dorn trip? Well, it's just exactly, it's like the, you know, uh, it literally is a punchline, actually. Um, oh, but it, it, although I guess it's more of an elbow or, or something, I don't know. Um, oh, boy. But, but uh, I don't know what, it's such a stupid thing to go out, I mean, it's for a joke, and like, oh, it's the Jamie and Braun show, it's gotta be funny, but it's just stupid, like, I don't know why that's the payoff, and it better not be the payoff for Dorn. And the other thing is, there's so much that has to happen. It, you know, Marin Trant probably has to die. you got to resolve everything going on with Stannis and all of them. You've got to do some Daenerys stuff, although maybe her plotline might be largely... I could see, I, I, honestly, I could see her not appearing in the finale, and this is the cliffhanger for her this season. That would be the first time, though, right? It would be, yeah. I would be surprised, I think. I would like that, actually. I would like if that's where they leave it, if they leave her flying off on Drogon, and we don't know what happens to her. Or to, what about her peeps? Yeah. Well, they could even go back, we know from the preview for next week that, that we are going back to Marine. Oh, uh, okay. So we do well, we do see them sitting in the throne room. The yeah, we, we see all the four of them sitting in the throne room, like, moping around, not knowing what to do. Uh, um, right. So we'll at least get a little bit there, but I would I, I would think it would be pretty cool if we didn't see Daenerys at all. It would have been interesting, but it looks like that we will. <laughs> uh, or at least it, it's, it's strongly implied. Um, so... So that's one thing. Um, and it, yeah, so so all of that aside, I don't know how Doran fits into this, or how we're, why we're, if we're going to get more. If that if this might be the entire thing that we just see them come back. Yeah. Oh, you know we what? Are, we, you know what? I just realized we probably won't get more Doran stuff. It, the Doran stuff is over. It was stupid. Jamie and Bronn are going to show up back at King's Landing, maybe just after or amidst the inevitable. Like bloodshed. Could they could they get back to King's Landing that fast? I mean, I know the show has played fast and loose with that before. They but... got to Doran like immediately. <laughs> so you're right. I guess that the show by the show's standards, they could do it. Right, and it doesn't really matter when you know we don't know when the stuff in King's Landing goes down, but that can happen any time between what's going on with Stannis, right? So it doesn't matter. So even if it takes them a while to get to King's Landing, even if the stuff in King's Landing happens well after whatever happens at with Stannis happens, it doesn't matter ultimately for the show. Well, I mean, let's think about this. What do they have to resolve? Like, what do they have to resolve in the next episode? You're right. They have to... Arya and Meryn Trent, that's what, like, at least one scene there. They have to resolve the um, uh, the battle. What, everything at Winterfell, which is like two or three different storylines. Uh, they have to They resolve. don't have to do anything at the wall. Well, I, I, well, they've been building to something with the Ollie stuff and the resentment about the wildlings. I think they have to have some kind of concluding thing at the wall for this season. Maybe, but uh, I mean, letting them through was like you know that's already happened. I thought that if there was something, if some sort of uprising or something was going to happen, it was going to happen. Yeah. Well, know, I maybe. Well, I think that, that would. Now that, I think now that would the wildlings are in, they've lost the fight. There's what are they going to fight over? Well, if they're gonna, well, they're not going to do the uprising while the wildlings are there because the wildlings are going to you know fight back. They're going to wait for the wildlings to leave. No, they're going to go through to the other side. But now they're in you know, in the Seven Kingdoms or whatever. the Oh, I was talking about the like the if the, I was talking about the Night's Watch. If everyone who hates John, because they've been setting up that there's going to be some repercussion. Right, right. Now no, I can see something like through. that happening. But there, if their argument is that I hated, I, I didn't want you to do the Wildling thing. They already did it. They already let them through the gate and let them into, you know, the rest of Westeros. Yeah, and now you know, people are going to be angry wall. about that. 
Well, you'd be angry, but, but the, wouldn't it make more sense to just not let him in or to kill, you know, Alistair because Alistair is, get, is, is uh, you know, is enabling this or to just prevent <laughs> it from happening? To do it after the fact is bizarre. I don't think it's that bizarre. I, I think it makes sense. Right. I think Maybe. this. Could, I think this could be like you know, the wildlings coming through is like the straw that broke the camel's back. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, certainly we'll see something with Ali. I just don't know that. It'll At the very least, I would be surprised if they ended the season without John uh, in in the finale. Right, right. Especially because he's like he's one so of the essential. you know, yeah. he's one of the people the show puts posits as the main character. Right. So I would be, um, yeah, we don't really need to see uh, Daenerys. We don't really need to see um, anything in Dorne, although I would love to see something that, like, makes sense of why they spent all this time on it. Um, Oh, and we need to see the conclusion of the uh, High Sparrow stuff. Right, that's probably going to be, I I imagine that and Stannis will be the bigger finale. But I'm just Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to, you know, have some, a battle to some extent, clearly. I don't know how much we're going to see of it, but... The, bad, the Winterfell battle is going to be a part of it. Uh, yeah, and we're going to have this. The High Sparrow stuff is probably going to take up a lot of time. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know how much room there is <laughs> for Dorne. I, that's what I'm saying. I just don't see how Dorne even fits into it. Um, especially with what happens in the in the arena. Uh, with, with Daenerys, because I just, if we get, you know, more of that, then I feel like they have to, well, I don't know if they have to top themselves, but because it's so epic, you know, I feel like there's a, if they have Daenerys' finale in this episode, then it's just going to be epilogue in the next episode, and I don't know that they really have time for that, so I'm assuming something else is going to happen with Daenerys. Well, that's what they've done season after season, though, is the big thing happens in episode 9, and then you have the epilogue in No, the no, no, but... Yeah, you do that, but that's usually with, like, a big battle. It's only one storyline. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But then if that's the case, we already had Jon's thing in episode 8, we already had Daenerys' thing in episode 9, so we don't really need to do them at all. Like, it would have been fine to just end John's storyline with Hardhome. You know, that would have been okay, I think. And just pick it up next season. And the same thing with Daenerys. I don't think we need to see more of that. Uh, yeah. I don't, also don't really want to see more of that, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, 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 I almost forgot. Uh, the, the, I mentioned earlier in the in this podcast, uh, there was a moment of, of direction in the arena that I really liked. And the, the thing that I really liked was uh, when Jorah finishes the battle and he picks up the spear... And he throws it into the booth, and he kills one of the, and one, it's one of the sons of the harpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was really, really well executed. Oh, you like that? It, I I loved that because you thought that um, maybe he really was going for it. Well, no, because I, I didn't know what he was doing. He picks up the spear. I think maybe okay, he picks up the spear. Maybe he's going to do the finishing move on on this guy he's been fighting, who's still kind of wriggling. But then he picks it up and he chucks it at Daenerys, and I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then he hits someone, and it's one of the sons of the harpy. Who's there, by the way? And then they do the introduction, and everyone in the arena is putting on their masks, and there's the creepy music. I thought so I guess it was really well done. Fighters. I guess they're not the pit fighters, then. Uh, yeah, well, there were there were people in slave outfits and people in master outfits wearing uh, masks. Right. Well, though, you know, yeah. Although they could have just been in costumes. Somebody, I don't know if you saw this. Somebody in the um, the Last Airbender subreddit uh, did a like a hype, like a, a split cut of um, the scene in the arena. The, um, the bending arena, uh, the pro bending arena, where they everyone reveals themselves to be like equalists. Uh, oh, yeah, it reminded and, me of that too. Yeah, uh, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, I think did that happen in Star Wars as well? I was flat. I was definitely flashing back to um, uh, what's that movie called? Attack of the Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that Star Wars movie. Um, 
where like this the troopers all show up and like they have this big battle in the arena and there's all these you know I, that whole yeah thing. I don't remember the movie very well I was just I was thinking of it definitely because it's all sandy and uh, I I will tell you the one thing this didn't invoke of all things was Spartacus despite the fact that large arena scenes are very uh, common in that show. This is the one time I was like, no, this is nothing to do with Spartacus. This is uh, this has got Star Wars written all over it. Or these fights were these fights were pretty boring too. I gotta say, it was yeah, it was pretty boring. I did like Tyrion getting his getting a kill. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, even before that, it, um, just the fights like during the oh during the fight the oh, games yeah. were just yeah, like were. uh really like this isn't also, that, what they, the isn't banter was stupid too. Oh, actually, I, I completely forgot about this. I really liked the to- really? the the dialogue in that scene while they're uh, watching the fighting. I thought it was excellent, like, I, su- like surprisingly good for that storyline. I, I think the one thing I would say, well, no, here's what it is: it's Tyrion making other people look stupid again. You know, it's like Tyrion coming in, going like, "Oh yeah, remember how I'm a much better character than both of you?" Yeah, yeah. Good thing I'm here. No, okay. Right? First of all, okay, no, no. no. Tyrion has. Let's start off. Tyrion has two really good lines. First of all, I really like the bizarre auto-critique when he says, like, you know, there's enough killing in the world, I prefer to leave it out of my leisure time. Which is, feels like a weird meta-commentary on the show itself, because <laughs> that's something people say about the show, is like, why do I want to... That's something I think I said about the show a few weeks ago, is like, there's enough awful stuff in the world, if I'm watching something to entertain me, like, do I really need something just as awful right. in it? So that that felt a little uh, weirdly reflexive. And then, um, what's the other thing he says? He says, um... It, uh, it's easy to confuse what is with what ought to be when what is has worked out in your favor. Right, I thought that right, was really, right. really well said. Uh, but I really liked just all of Isdar's dialogue. Really, I, I thought it was. I thought it was really. Um, it's just to me, it's just them reaffirming who their characters are, and it's like, okay, but we already know Hisdar is, you know. So Tyrion made some comment about classism, which is kind of interesting considering he's a high lord, which maybe makes it a little bit more pertinent than uh, and potent than what um, the High Sparrow said, but. I don't know that we needed to reaffirm that Hisdar represents the upper class and that the slaves are, you know, it's like, we know this. Well, dichotomy. it's not even that. It's like, for the first time, he's not just like, you know, groveling. He's making some really interesting points. He said, what's the thing he says about, um, like, no great thing has ever been accomplished without killing, which isn't like a, you know, it's not going to blow my mind with its uh, philosophical complexity. But I liked the banter that that initiated between him and Daenerys. It felt it was much more fully realized than any of the other conversations they've had about this this season, which have been very just like, I'm. Let me state my point. I'm going to state my counterpoint over and over. Just very written in this very, uh, you know, barbed. Well, it's not even that. It's like it's just it's very this very obvious way. It's just like Mm -hmm. yeah, let me let me say what I'm thinking. Let me say what I'm thinking, and then you say what you think about that. And there's nothing in front of it. It's just text. Whereas they got... It was just a little smarter than usual. It was a little, uh, you know, just a modicum denser than usual. I'm not saying it was, like, excellent writing, but it was above par for Game of Thrones writing. To me, it was a lot of stating the obvious. I mean, you can respin it a bunch of different ways, like rewriting how the dialogue sounds and how they can rephrase their position. But to me, it just was like, okay, yeah, we know all the characters and... Ooh, Dario Naharis is not the, you know, isn't the, the, the sharpest tool in the box. What a surprise, you know. Uh, but it's, to me, it, to me, that whole moment just happened to, existed to make Daenerys, or to have Daenerys, because she's sort of enjoying this, you know, and she's like, huh, oh, Tyrion's a pretty smart guy. 
you know, just to reaffirm that he's going to become her most trusted advisor, which, you know, I'm happy about. And I guess we haven't really gotten that so far, but it's just, to me, the, the self-evidence of how terrible Hizdar and Dario Naharis are as advisors is just, it's so self-evident that I didn't need another character to point it out. And when Tarion just like runs circles around them with his dialogue, I was like, yeah, yeah, you guys are dumb. <laughs> so that that's that's why I just didn't really process it. Well, he doesn't even because doesn't Tyrion say something? You know, I don't. I, it's it's backhanded certainly, but he says something like, uh, you know, just because you're eloquent doesn't mean you're wrong, which is I think the you know his uh class, yeah, social class has been kind of the you know, been used against him a lot right. in conversation. Every time every conversation he's in, it it's right. kind of feels like oh look oh the rich guy's gonna. Gonna lecture us right. again, but Tyr- and Tyrion turns it around. And he says, "Look, you know, just because he's saying stuff, uh, you know, really, he's using big words or whatever, it doesn't mean that he's wrong." And you know, let's not do this weird reverse judgment of him just because he's smart. Right. I thought I liked that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I do. I, I did appreciate that when he first said it. I was like, "That was a, a, it's kind of a weird way to phrase it." But yes, I. Uh, I acknowledge that. I just overall, I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't that blown away um, by the sequence. I wasn't but, blown away by it, but it's. I mean, by Game of Thrones. I like it. Such a low standard for Game. Of Thrones. No. Like, well, eh. yeah. I, I really. I just want to say this. I. I didn't uh, want to die when they were talking. So you know. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't. This isn't a good show. <laughs> I enjoy talking about it, and um, but I'm kind of. I'm past enjoying watching it. Really. Like I just, I, it's it's kind, of, especially after the Shireen thing. I'm like, oh god, you know, it's yeah. This is this is miserable to watch, and I'm not, and I'm also not getting anything out of it. Like it's not drawing anything out of uh, at all. It's just being horrific but, to. to but shock. then, like last week, you were so pumped about it. So you know, clearly, yeah. I'm not, well, I'm not saying it's all bad. This show has its moments and has like really great moments. Like I said, I thought the hard home sequence was excellent. But I think, you know, that's not a sequence where the writing really, really shined. Uh, I think, by true. and large, this is a just... Well, although I, I would say a lot of, you know, the monologue and all that, I thought that was pretty good. You know, I, you know, in the tent. It was, it was to... fine, but it was like, we've heard that, again, it, it, this, this is what you've just been saying about Daenerys. Like, we've heard all this from John before, which is what I sure. said last week. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah, it's just like Game of Thrones, it's just... It, I, it's not. A, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> it's not. A, it's, it's really. It's. It's really not. It's um, interesting. Okay. And I, I don't yeah. think it's a good show. I mean, I, sorry. I don't think it's a bad show. I just don't. I don't think it's a great show. I think it's a. I actually do. I think it's a good show. I think it's. It's trying to do a lot of different things, and I think it's noble in a lot of its efforts. It's very. It's sprawling. It's trying to juggle different atmospheres, different cultures, different ideas and things and so you know i appreciate it for what it is um it's not my go-to hbo show to recommend to people that's deadwood by the way everyone should watch deadwood um but i don't uh but i don't think it's bad per se um but anyway that's that's a that's a broader criticism yeah i'd love to have this conversation more in detail after the finale when we've seen how this season concludes because Man, I've, I've, I'm really down on the show this season, and I'm just, I'm just. Like, after this episode, I, I, I said this in, in tweets, but I deleted them. I said I don't even know why I'm watching this anymore, honestly. Like for the, I, for the podcast, because I, like I said, I do enjoy having these discussions, but I, 
I, There's I just, just other like, things that deserve your attention. Well, no, it's just like, what am I? Well, I mean, it did kind of make me f- feel bad. It's like, what if I? What if I gotten out of watching this show? Honestly, right? Like, what if I? What is this show giving to me as a piece of art <laughs> unto itself? Uh, angst, anger. Uh, yeah, misery, misery, <laughs> uh, sadness. <laughs> Those are emotions, right? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So speaking of emotions, how did you feel? So we have this sequence, they run down into the arena, this whole thing happens, Jorah gives, you know, a look to his, to, uh, to Dario, and to, uh, did, did his dar, his dar died, right? It would appear so, Someone which means he's him. not, yeah, he's not the leader of the Sons yeah. of the Harpy, and like no Dario reacted. Yeah, like Dario just said plainly, okay, well, apparently that's not the case, um, which kind of makes me feel bad for his dar, who was kind of just, yeah, stuck right? in the middle of it, you're like, oh, I guess he was, eh. He was kind of stuck up, but like, you know... And clearly, Hermit. He wasn't evil. By the way, Danny's now free, no longer married, engaged to marry anyone. <laughs> uh, they didn't even get to the wedding before someone something crazy. It's true, which I'm surprised by. I'm surprised they didn't just say, "Oh, you, these two, these two married off screen." You were, were you were right about Jorah showing up. You know, why was he coming back to the arena or whatever so he could do some wedding thing or whatever? Uh, you were right. It's just there wasn't a wedding, but he did have to be involved in some way to save Danny or or whatever the the, the case. Danny, was. you know, implicitly forgives him, and he. Like an idiot. Why does why does he touch her? Oh gosh. He's grayscale on his hand. So creepy. What is he thinking? Yeah, well, yeah, it's on his wrist. Still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's contagious. Yeah, that's a really stupid move. Although maybe I she's can't, I couldn't believe that because she's got this. No, it, but it's, it's 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 just like you don't know that, Jorah. Yeah. You, Even yeah. if she is, how do you know that? Yeah. yeah why aren't no. you just wearing a glove twenty four seven? No, he just sort of shuffles down his shirt and then shuffles it back up and goes... Oh, I mean, I, I will say, okay, maybe this is where the grayscale thing was going and that, he got infected was... so that he could infect Daenerys. Right. But st- but it's still predicated on this notion that Jory is so stupid that he would do that. Maybe he's just like, if I can't have her, no one can have her. <sighs> God. Which is a real thing, you know, people are crazy. Um, so yeah, this whole sequence was a, was a bit strange. And then, so they go down into the arena, and then uh, it's kind of predictable that, that you know there's going to be a dragon just because what else is going to happen in this scene. Um, and then Drogon shows up. So, what were your feelings on on this? What were your feelings on this scene? Uh, well, we talked about just the, the CGI, cinema, yeah, right, the how it looks. It, it, it looks kind of awkward. Uh, it, it's not really super effective. Um, I, I thought it was... I will say this. The fire to CGI transition, again, was much, much better than it was in CGI. And that was, that was practical fire, we, um, we should note. Because there was... I, I remember seeing... A, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing... There was that shot of all the uh, masters getting burned. I remember seeing that weeks ago. There was some behind-the-scenes video of the, someone spraying a flamethrower on uh, stunt oh, well, actors. It looks awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it looks fantastic. Uh, and yeah. it's... Uh, yeah. Not... It's very smart of them to not do CG fire and not just give themselves more work. Right, right, right. Um... Uh, but yeah, I thought. Um, and then she I, just I, sort of ditches her her. Uh... By the way, okay, so yeah, Danny needs don't... to learn how to fight. That's the thing that I've decided. I decided a while ago, actually. She has no combat skills whatsoever, and that really irritates me. It, she shouldn't. It's not like she would. It's not like oh, why doesn't she have combat? No, but I just why somebody should train her. I, I figured that would be a really like Dario Naharis is a useless character in my opinion. He just does nothing except for like defend her. You know, he's a bodyguard and he runs the people mercenary people but what he could be teaching her how to fight that would be useful good skill 
Dora could have done it at any point, and she just never learned how to fight anyone ever. So, like, she basically is completely defenseless if there's not a dragon around. That seems like a poor decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just... She just sort of stands there. She's like, oh, Miss Sunday, I guess we're going to hold hands now. But this this moment die. is just... This moment is just so... It's another example of... The problem that the show has a lot of the time is that it's juggling so many storylines that it doesn't give enough time to any of them. And we see this with Stannis. I think that this Stannis moment could have worked if they had built up his kind of descent into desperation and, despair, and his, you know... Yeah. Exactly. I think that if they had properly established that, they kept that reaffirming and developed in the opposite that, direction. That's exactly, <laughs> which is which is even worse. But you know, if they had at least if they had not done that, then it would have been slightly better. And right. if they had given if they had had enough time and given enough time to develop that, then it would have been better. Right. And if they had, this is a moment when Daenerys sees Drogon and she gets on back. It just felt like it felt like the moment was designed to override your, uh, you know. Oh. The part of your brain that's thinking, why is this happening? Because you're so excited to see her ride a dragon. Right. It's like, why is she doing this? Why does she get on Drogon's back? What what connection is she ha- feeling right now that it, that is compelling her to do this? And they, like, why? Why why does she well, the, fly away? Here's the, well, why does she fly away is a bigger question. And also, why does Drogon fight on the ground? He's a dragon. He can literally just breathe fire on them, and he just stands there while people throw spears at him. Fly around! That's the whole purpose of a dragon. Yeah. He also has holes in his wings, so he shouldn't be able to fly. Well, let's leave it. After, after the spears, when they hit him with the spears, so you can see holes in his wings. Well, more than that, just in general, anatomy of dragons, I don't think really predicates the Well, okay, to fly, fair, but... fair. No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to nitpick, I'm <laughs> just, just pointing phys- out. Get into physics. <laughs> um, but the other thing, the other Soren, Soren, Soren's right trained. Uh, so, <laughs> no, but, so we talked about when Drogon comes and sees... Daenerys and I mentioned at some point that Drogon would be involved, or I said something like that, and you said no. Drogon's like gone rogue and has no interest in Daenerys anymore. And she has no control over him, uh, but like he lets her ride him literally in this scene. I think yeah. And again, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but I think that's what the, that's the whole point of that scene where Drogon's on the roof and she touches him and. Well, but here's the th- and by the way, when I remember, let's keep in mind when I said that I knew that the scene was going to happen, but the, but the way uh, the way that I assumed it was going to happen based on that is the way that it happens in the books, which is that she grabs a slave trainer's whip and like whips him and gets him under control, and then you know and then he like you know and tames him basically, and then she rides him. Oh, this happens but, in the book. Yeah. Oh. So this happens almost except for that almost exactly as it happens in the book. Oh, so, and Tyrion's not there. Yeah, no, well, Tyrion is in the pit, actually, because <laughs> Tyrion has been, uh, like, Tyrion, he's tasked with, like, uh, I think, like, riding a pig to fight a lion or something is, like, part of the entertainment, and Daenerys stops it, or something, something like that, because Tyrion uh, spends a lot of time... So they have met in the books. Kind no, they of. haven't, because, because, uh, he's in the pit, and she, like, you know, they don't have any interaction. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it's, like, That's right about to happen, then, in the books? <laughs> Like it's basically, oh, okay. but it, but but again, she flies off. So, oh, okay, interesting. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it just it it and is that the end, on, of again, her, end of her storyline? She flies off. Um, there is a concluding chapter. I don't know if they're gonna do. I you know what? I I, I bet they are, but they don't have to. I don't think. Interesting. Okay, and then that's the end of her storyline, as far as you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah, I had no idea this was in the book. So. 
this probably uh, can't as long as we're talking about surprise. quick, yeah, quick. As long as we're talking about book details, there's a great. If you want to know, uh, not that I care. Again, like I've said, not that it, this matters to me at all. But there is a great book. Stannis has a great line where uh, Melisandre suggests. Yeah, well, he Melisandre suggests doing some, not burning Shireen, but doing some sacrifices to help the cause. And he says, half the men in my army are unbelievers. We will not have any burnings. Pray harder. <laughs> nice. That's a good line. Yeah. Book Stannis has a lot of very sassy lines like that. Yeah, and it's also a little bit different. Uh, a little bit different than what actually happened. Um, so, yep. But maybe they're just, in the books, they have time to build up the, his desperation or something. Or I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if, if that's what they do, then, then they sure do have time to do it. <laughs> um, if 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 that's where they go, but right. they well, yeah, know, they just they, they kind of jumped right to pages, it. So. It's it's just it just this this is driving me crazy. This show drives me crazy sometimes, <laughs> and it's not because like I've said before a million times, I don't care if they change stuff from the book. I really don't. But you know, and, and that was the other smug thing. It's like the assumption when people don't like something on Game of Thrones, the people who do like it, the assumption is always, oh, you just don't like it because they changed it from the books. It's like no. <laughs> I don't care that they changed it from the books. I care that it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and yes, yeah. it's different from the books. That doesn't mean it was necessarily also good in the books. Right. The books did plenty of bad things that that it's good that they changed. But like when something's bad, I'll I'm going to say bad. it's bad regardless of what what the source material is. And you know, I try as best I can to not harp on the on the changes like that. Although I, I do think they're interesting sometimes to talk about. But it's just like, who cares if it's different in the books? We're talking about the TV show. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the responses you can have to that is, yeah, and I saw this as a potential spot for improvement in the show, you know. Sure, that's uh, another thing, yeah. It's like, well, you could have done better. You actually changed it, and it's worse. And there's no reason you couldn't have made it the same, but your change is worse. Right. Right, exactly. Um, so, I will say this. So, next episode's called Mother's Mercy. Uh, so we were talking about motherhood earlier. This is an episode title that I think um, could have a bunch of meanings because we have Daenerys, who's supposed to be the mother, you know, of dragons and the mother sort of marine and mercy. You know, she could decide to spare the uh, and exile the um, sons of the harpy if she comes back or something happens. That could be a thing. Um, obviously, Cersei is going to make some sort of attempt at escape or something in the next... Uh, yeah, well, the, where we've heard the phrase Mother's Mercy before is that uh, the High Sparrow said if if Loras and uh, Marjorie confess, then they'll be shown the Mother's Mercy. Referring oh. to the God. Oh, okay. So that's where we've heard this phrase before, and this is another... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to have well, lots what, of meanings, yeah, but that's the literal meaning. But I don't... Maybe they'll pretend this... Or they'll they'll they'll, um, they'll cop to their crimes, quote-unquote crimes, and then they'll go and do the thing, but... Uh, I think ultimately she's going to turn it, you know, it's going to be Cersei standing over High Spiral, like, killing him or something. Be like, how's this for Mother's Mercy? <laughs> and then kill him. Or something. Um, I think that's probably what, we're going to get something like that. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of, and then also, you know, even with, with Stannis, and we have Solis and um, uh, and Shireen, that whole thing. Uh, so there's also that Mother's Mercy thing that could also be playing into it. Uh so I think there's a lot of ways they could they could integrate that. I don't know. Yeah. The next there's there's also this one thing, and it, I don't know if you remember this. If you go back and listen to our podcast about episode nine last year, I was talking about this huge, gigantic thing that might happen but might not, and I don't know if they're going to do it, but I think they might be leading up to it in the finale, and they didn't end up doing it. Uh, uh, yes, I remember that. 
But and you know, was I, it, a char- I got, it was a character, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. And it, it was. I feel like if if this thing does not happen now, and again, I'm not going to give anything away. It's the same but thing. They, yes, yes. If they don't do it at this point, and this is what they called the episode, uh, then. I, then they are just they're they're teasing fans. That's that's all there is to it. They are make they are just like, you know, putting bait on the hook and then pulling the hook away <laughs> at the last second. Because that's this is so clearly. I, I won't again. Oh god, I won't go into it. But I think that they could do this thing still. I think there is still room for it. But this is like the last chance. Interesting. So you think this so, is a whole other thing they could be introducing in this episode? Maybe. Maybe. That is. Interesting. I I feel like there's so many other things that Mother's Mercy could be related to. Just no, I'm, I'm, sure it's re- I'm sure it's related to a million things. Um, but interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out. Oh, I, I'm just, you know, fine. I will see one of this character's uh, things that they are called is Mother Mercy. That's the only reason I bring it up. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay. Well. All right. Well, that's extremely vague and mysterious, but I'm curious to see uh, if we actually see that. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's, it's you know what? Uh, it's probably not going to happen. I'm just I'm kind of demoralized on the show at this point. But I'm demoralized on it. But you know, I also don't think there's a single character in the show really, except for like major characters who were introduced in the very beginning, who you know I'd be super sad not to have seen show up at some point. You know, I I don't know. So character people big up these characters, like, oh, Bubble Blood's going to be introduced this season, it's going to be crazy, you know. People were talking about the Lord of Bones, like it was going to be an interesting character. I mean, for, come on. get <laughs> a cool costume, yeah. but seriously? Yeah. Like, if he well, was never um, in the it's... show, no one would care. Seriously, no one would care. It's irrelevant. Well, he he gets nothing to do in the show, he's just killed by Tormund, and it's nothing. Yeah, it's a good scene. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's a hilarious scene. Um, but, but, but yeah, and you're going to get even... You're going to get even more of that next season because it turns out um, one of the uh, there's going to be a new Greyjoy that they've just that they're casting. Oh. Uh, there's a whole there's rumors that they're going to cast uh, Sam's dad might make it in Sam's family. Oh, which is cool because the Sam's Sam's family never shows up in the books. Oh, okay. But it's so that'll be really cool. Whatever I don't know what capacity we'll see them in, but that'll be interesting. So we're gonna they're gonna get that whole cycle all over again of people saying, "Oh, you're gonna be this character's gonna be so awesome when they show up," and then maybe you know they're they're not. They're, <laughs> they're just somebody. Um, yeah, exactly. But I guess we'll... Uh, it's all in the luck of the draw. Yeah. So, next week... Next week... Mother's Mercy. Uh... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... that's we'll, will will they have we'll mercy see. on us as viewers? I think that's the, the question. I wouldn't... I wouldn't expect any. <laughs> Don't bank on it. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> Alright. Yep, this has been Stark Contrast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>